What, we were supposed to prepare for this? You were supposed to prepare for this. Okay, just give me a second. Welcome to the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. I'm Matthew Pioro. We're back after a bit of a break, and we have a different format for you today. Usually, I sit down with um, a cyclist or someone involved in Canadian cycling, and we go into a deep dive, but we're changing something up for this episode. It's a year in review episode, and with me is Terry McCall, mountain bike web editor. You've heard Terry before on the podcast, but he's uh, back after a long break. Terry, how are you in the Victoria Bureau? Doing well, staying dry, avoiding winter for another year. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, I'm guessing this is a trend we saw earlier this year that so many Canadians relocated to Victoria to go mountain biking when travel was difficult. Um, are you seeing the, um, the, the new school mountain biking snowbirds starting to come back? Uh, a lot of them never left. There's Ontario plates all over the place in Victoria right now. <laughs> Just waiting for the rest of the office to come out here. That's right. Yeah, well, we're getting there slowly. Also joining us is a new member of the Canadian Cycling Magazine team, web editor Matt Hansen. Welcome, Matt. Uh, see what I did there? Hello. Yeah, that was very clever. Matt has a wealth of knowledge in Canadian cycling and... Uh, it's really great to have you on the team. Uh, I don't know. How long has it been? Two months? A month? Three months? It feels like forever. It really does. You have that effect. But um, the biggest problem really is that there's an inordinate amount of mats in the office. Um, there's uh, you, me, and photo editor Matt. Moving on, we are going to discuss the year in review from a, a Canadian cycling perspective. The year that was 2021. There were a lot of really interesting things on the road, uh, on the dirt, and let's see let's see how far we can get covering them. I think I gave you guys five. You guys were supposed to come with five points. Are you ready for five? We can do five. What, we were supposed to prepare for this? You were supposed to prepare for this. Okay, just give me a second. All right, I will go first then. And this isn't um, this isn't a performance per se, but it is something that's been occupying a lot of my time lately because Israeli Startup Nation, the World Tour team based in Israel, it's in the name, has been acquiring Canadians like crazy over the past few months. There was Hugo Uhl that was announced, I think, in October. And then at the beginning of November, we found out Steve Bauer was joining the team as a DS, and Gord Frazier is there um, for the Continental team. This is a story uh, we've been following, obviously, for years, but I've, we're going to be following it even more in, in the year to come um, with so much CanCon there. And one thing that uh, I'll sort of tease listeners in the magazine, you will, we're going to wrestle with, is this Canada's team? What do you guys think? I mean, I think that uh, it's funny when you think about it because there's a, a lot of Canadians on it, but of course it's called, you know, Israel Startup Nation. So uh, I think that going forward, I wouldn't be surprised to see even more Canadians on it, which, you know, I, mean, I have to call it, you know, Canada Startup Nation, but that would mean that Canada would have to give a bit more money, I suppose. But uh, I think I think going forward, it's great to see all these guys reunited, you know, like Gord and Steve and 
you know, how many guys are from Ottawa on the team right now, including Gord? The, there's uh, Alex Catterford, uh, Michael Woods, and yeah, Gord Fraser. I th- oh, and Derek Derek G is from the Ottawa area. Oh, that's right. That's who it is. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Terry, why don't we throw it over to you as our mountain bike editor? Give us um, a moment in, in, in mountain biking from this year that really resonated with you. Um, so the biggest news, I think, in Canadian men biking this year is the retirement of Catherine Pendle. After four Olympics, bronze in Rio, two World Championships, three World Cup overall titles, and over 100 World Cup starts, she's moving from racing to the other side of the tape. She's going to be racing with the, uh, or she's going to be coaching with the Canadian national team, which will be interesting because her retirement uh, kind of leaves a hole in the Canadian cross country team. She's leaving as the highest ranked athlete with the team only having three years to secure qualifying spots before Paris. So she's going to have to quickly turn around all that knowledge of racing and uh, turn that into results from all the other promising Canadians we have, like the, the Diceros, Jen Jackson, Haley Smith, and Emily Batty could make another comeback. There's lots of people that are poised to take over in Paris. We just need them to get those results quickly so we can actually go. Yeah, it feels like the, the clock is really ticking on that one. It's coming up soon. Matt, over to you. What uh, What is striking for you in, in, in 2021 and Canada's performances in cycling? Well, I mean, there's so many of them, but I think, you know, there's two things in my mind kind of as those, those moments that you won't forget this year uh, tied. Obviously, Kelsey Mitchell winning at the Olympics was, you know, something else. It's always good to see. Well, always good. It's always good to see a Canadian win a gold, but to see someone in cycling do it, it's, it's even more special, obviously, because it certainly doesn't happen very often. Um, and then, uh, you know, either tied to a first or a close second is Beauvin at Paris-Roubaix, because I think, you know, everyone who's in cycling, who's a fan um, in Canada, was watching that when we see, you know, this guy wearing the national championship jersey in the biggest break and, you know, arguably one of the biggest one-day races of the year in a strange time of the year. Um you know, we're all cheering for him. So I think that was two pretty special moments for me. And I think most of us would agree with that. Yeah. On, on Kelsey Mitchell's, that was, that was fantastic. It's like gold at the Olympics on the track. I mean, for, for cycling Canada, everyone there must be stoked because they put so much behind the track cycling program. Um, and her story is fantastic. Like, um, she was a soccer player. She, she barely rode a bike before she was scouted by um, a Cycling Canada. And also, she's I think she's elevated track cycling. She was, she was joking. I spoke with her um, sometime after the Olympics, and she's like, suddenly there was all these track experts in Canada, and they had advice for me. She was very kind about it, but it was funny how, uh, you know, we have a lot of armchair hockey experts. Now we're getting armchair track cycling experts. But I think that's good too, right? I mean, even though I'm sure she's gracious and calm and all that stuff, you know, it's just like any sport here, hockey or, or, or what a baseball, everyone's an expert. And I think more of these armchair, you know, couch experts there are, it's better for the sport because that means people are watching it. People are engaged in it and people care about it. So even though probably what they said was inherently wrong, <laughs> um, like most experts, you know, like I'm an expert on baseball, on professional baseball, whenever, you know, the Leafs screw up, for example, I, I tell Austin Matthews, you, you shouldn't have done that. Um, so I, I think it's it's good having all these these you know guys sitting around drinking beer, watching 
the Olympics or whatever it is. It's, it's better for the sport. Terry, I'm going to bring you back in. And you know what? I want to talk about, um, there are two woods in Canadian cycling. I want to talk about Carter Woods because he had a really good year. Tell us about some of his high points. Yeah, I mean, there was two of them. He uh, he stormed into 2021 with uh, two World Cup wins, first in Alpstadt, Germany, at the opening World Cup, and then in Nova Mesto uh, shortly after that. Um, and that's actually the first time a Canadian man has been on the top of a World Cup mountain bike podium since Jeff Kabush way back in 2009 at Bromont. Um, so that's that's really exciting. We've had a lot of uh, really strong junior and under 23 riders and seeing one finally kind of hit that top step of the podium is really promising. And he's definitely not the only really strong under 23 athlete Canada has right now. Um, so looking forward to more of those results next year. Exactly, exactly. I had Carter Woods on the podcast earlier this year and he had a great story from his Nova Mesto race and Let's just play a clip from that now. My whole plan went pretty well in that race. I managed to get away with a pretty solid lead. And then, yeah, I just tried to keep it keep it smooth. But in the last lap, yeah, there was a couple uh, couple moments there where I was getting pretty, getting pretty scared. Um, the bikes were packing up with so much mud. And, yeah, I dropped my, dropped my chain at the, right at the top, cresting one of the bigger climbs. So I was... That was, um, yeah, I just had to stay calm and get that chain back on. And I sprayed it with a little bit of water and, yeah, just tried to tried to make it to the finish line. I find you got to really stay stay focused in those instances is more, more than ever. You get off the bike and you're just, your hands are shaking so much. And it's last lap, you have so much adrenaline. My, my hands were shaking so much, I had to talk myself through it. Like, okay, let's get this chain on. Let's uh, let's get it in the right gear before I hop on, and I'm in a hard gear. Yeah, so that was that was uh, I was pretty impressed in how I how I handled that. And that was Carter Woods talking about some of the um, nerve wracking moments at his Nova Mesto race uh, at the World Cup earlier in the year. So let's talk about the Woods, who uh, you know has curly bars on his bike. Michael Woods. Matt, what do you think of Michael Woods' season this year? I mean, it was obviously like everyone's season, up and down and unpredictable. But again, another great moment was seeing him get that polka dot uh, jersey on stage. Was it 14 or 13, I think? 14. Of the Tour de France. Of the Tour de France, yeah. Not the Tour de Suisse, which I, I, you know, was still pretty good that he got the mountain jersey there. But... You know, because he, he, he's always on the cusp of it. And, and then it looked like he wasn't going to get it from Quintana. And then there's that one stage, he cutting, you know, we're all kind of doing the math in our head. Does he have enough points? Does he have enough points? And even though he had it for a day or whatever, I mean, that's, I think it was just kind of part of his, his kind of progress we've been seeing the last few years. And who knows next year, you know, if he doesn't have bad luck like he did this year, um, I definitely think he could be on the podium next year or the year after. It's it's all about that first week of the tour, which is always so crazy, right? Which is sort of, I think, a point of debate for so many people, right? When you have all these crashes and you basically rule yourself out after stage two or stage three. I mean, that's part of the game, I guess. But I think if, you know, he has good luck in the first week, that'd be cool to see him. Got, he could definitely take the polka dot jersey, but I think he could also be up there. I have a clip of Mike Woods. I spoke with him recently. Um, it was in a noisy situation. 
um, in, a, in, a, in a hotel lobby. But here's his assessment of his year. Uh, the best season I've had, but not the season that I wanted. Uh, I'm quite happy with my consistency. I'm quite happy with the fact that I stepped up uh, level, but it wasn't to the level that I wanted. I wanted a medal at the Olympics, and I came up just short. I wanted to, to win a monument, and uh, I felt like I was just shy of that. Uh, at both Liège-Bastogne-Liège and Lombardia, both races, I was one of the strongest guys there. Uh, and there were several other occasions, a lot of fifth places, a lot of uh, performances that really showed my ability, showed that I'm capable of winning, but didn't actually get that big win. I got a, I got, I got wins, I had two, but uh, it's only left me more hungry for next season. That was Michael Woods assessing his 2021 season. Really great form, but yeah, he was um, he was frustrated with his results. And yeah, we'll see what the next year will bring. Fifth at the Olympics was a bummer for him. He really had high hopes on a podium. But if I can jump in, isn't it great? Isn't it great to say that fifth at the Olympics is a bummer? You know, to have someone that's, I mean, same with Lombardio, isn't you know, same deal. He's like, oh, you had a crappy race. You know, like it's just to say that you just realize how top level he is now. I mean, most people will be, most Canadians, most of our guys we follow and women we follow, they got fifth. That would be a fantastic, fantastic ride. Yeah, it really does say something that the expectations on Woods are not a top 10, but they are podium, if not a win. So, yeah, to your point, Matt, that really does speak to the level that he's at. I mean, speaking of podiums, the Canadian downhillers just kind of crushed it this year. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is. That is exciting to watch, and I want you to unpack that a bit for us. Just what is going on on the Canadian DH scene? Yeah, so much. There's a lot to unpack, so I'm just going to kind of roll through them. Uh, the highlight, of course, was Jackson Goldstone's season. It's his first season as downhill racer. He's racing his first year of World Cup junior men's racing, um, and he won World Championships. He won the World Cup overall. He won the National Championships. He was on six World Cup podiums with three wins and three second places. That's a stellar start to uh, just his first year. Um, And he wasn't the only Canadian on the podium at World Championships either. Um, Gracie Hemstreet from the Sunshine Coast was third in the junior women's race. And that was only her second international race of the year. She started off with a fifth in Maribor. And then after her bronze at World Championships, rolled right into a second at the Lenzerheide World Cup which is pretty incredible considering she spent most of the season sitting out with an injury and, like a lot of Canadians, had to miss all of the 2020 season. Um, and so the last thing is we have another first. Uh, we have Finn Owls and Mark Wallace finishing fourth and fifth at the Snowshoe World Cup uh, down in the United States. Um, and that's actually the first time we've had two elite Canadians on a World Cup downhill podium together, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, taking together this... Kind of shows we're entering a, what are going to call it, golden age of uh, downhill in Canada. I don't think we're just entering it. I think we're like a couple of years into it already. A lot of Canadians had to miss the 2020 season um, just due to craziness of last year. But we still had Mark Wallace fourth at World Champs that year and Finn Isles fourth at the Mary Bowl World Cup. And before that, in 2019, we had an incredible run from like the junior men's downhill program where we had... Lucas Cruz, Elliot Jameson, Ethan Chandro, Patrick Laffey, all finishing on a World Cup junior men's podium. Seth Sherlock won the Lenzerheide round, and we had three Canadians crowded into the top five of the junior men's overall. 
And those guys all had their 2020 season kind of, and that momentum kind of cut off when they weren't able to race. Uh, but they're in the elite ranks now and they're moving up and it's awesome. And I can, with the release of Long Live Chainsaw this year, I think we're seeing like very obvious evidence of Stevie Smith's legacy. And it's, it's awesome and it's just, just getting started. You use the phrase golden era and I will reveal to uh, listeners like we've batted that idea around a bit and um, I think we're going to explore that more next year and I'm hoping the results will continue but what are your thoughts on the the athletes who've moved up to the elite ranks like that seems to be a pretty tough transition will will we see them uh, developing further in the elite ranks yeah I think for sure I mean it's it's a really big jump in road and except for under 23 women and in mountain biking you have that under 23 level these guys are going from being 16 and 17 to racing against the best guys in the sport at 18 years old. And you can see some athletes make that jump right away and others take a couple of years. Even Finn Isles, after his incredible junior season or junior career, he took a couple of years to work up and now he's going really fast. Um, and we're already seeing some of those guys posting really strong results, like moving up into the 30s and 20s at the World Cups, which is I mean, those races are so competitive now that while 30 doesn't sound amazing, it is really impressive for guys that are maybe 20 years old. On the topic of moving up, I'm going to switch disciplines. And this is a more recent development. It's Magali Rochette and her performances in Europe. Now, to back up a bit, cyclocross nationals were canceled because of the, the terrible flooding in B.C., Magalie Rochette turned around and went back to Europe. And that was a great decision because at the uh, World Cup in Besançon, I, I believe I said that correctly, uh, in Besançon. Just say France. Just say France. In France. <laughs> yeah, France. Yeah. France. She was second. She's won a World Cup before. Um, I can't remember which one it was. It was in 2019. And I'm. Jingle Cross or something, wasn't it? It was Jingle Cross. Yeah, yeah. And so. A second, you would think, is second best, but the fact that it, it was in Europe. Well, what it, Matt, what's what's your thought? Uh, the fact that a second in Europe. Yeah, you know, I think the thing is, she's got the Michael Woods thing going for her, where you know she wants. She publicly said she wants to be a world champion. That's her goal. She's putting everything into this, you know, as the one woman show, so to speak, along with her partner. Um, she's her own team now. She's her own PR person, uh, and she's focused laser focused on on that world championship so to see her not that far behind the current world champion it's highly probable that she could become world champion if it's a muddy race you know i think she really excels in that really tough mud the slog or the snow um just that power she has i think it's it's super possible and again that's the kind of thing where she got fifth she'd be disappointed you know just like michael woods she has high expectations so a fun fact, Val de Sol, that's where the uh, snow winter cyclocross was recently. And that was, I thought it was a great race. Um, and maybe, or mostly because Magali was in second for a good chunk of it. Uh, she finished on the podium in third. Fun fact, who was also third at Val de Sol earlier this year? Terry. Gracie Hemsworth. Yes. So maybe that place uh, is good luck. For Canadians, I don't know. That's also where Jackson Goldstone won. And even more fun fact, in 2016, that's where Finales won his junior world championships. 
Oh, that really is a good spot. Okay, sidetrack, cyclocross and snow. Should should Canadians embrace the snow? Because I feel like we go out of our way to avoid it. I think it's that Canadian inferiority complex too we have, you know, where we don't want to say, talk about snow and hockey the whole time. You know, when I race cyclocross in, in some European races, people would call me Wayne Gretzky. Hey, go Wayne Gretzky, go Wayne Gretzky. And I was just like, no, no. So I think we should. It's it's part of what we do, man. Like, apart from people who live in Victoria who just get rain all day. I mean, everywhere else, it's 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 snow in the rest of the country. Terry, no to snow or yay? I mean, I, I grew up in Alberta, so I love racing in the snow. Um, I'll take it anytime I can. But I think to move, are you talking about moving nationals to a time when there's more snow? That's sort of what I'm getting at, because I feel like we're always, of you know, getting our nationals done, you know, latest November. I, I remember those years in um, when nationals was in, cyclocross nationals was in Winnipeg. That was like mid October, maybe not mid, maybe a little later in October, because I think snow was real. Well, in Winnipeg, snow was a real worry. But actually, Matt, you brought up a good point about timing and Canadian cyclocross nationals, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with weather. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, it's just like, you know, the nationals for, say, a guy like Guillaume Bovin, you know, we really want to have our, our pros wearing um, their Maple Leaf jerseys in the, in the Tour de France fam and the Tour de France. Um, and uh, it, that would mean you didn't need to have the nationals in June, just like the rest of Europe. So likewise, if you had the nationals in January, you know, 10th or whatever, like they do in Europe, that means that someone like Magali, who's going to be in Europe getting ready, you know, to do another World Cup, might miss out on that. And, you know, there's something nice about having our national champions at these World Cups. You know, it's just, it's, it's cool. So it's, that's just a problem with living over here. It, yeah, it does make it logistically easier. They do their, their North American races and then they can focus on Europe. And the same with the Americans, right? The Americans have it. They don't have it in January so because they want to get their, their people over there. Well, they have it in December. Yeah, but that's not January. That's still, that's still a buffer zone if you think about flying over and having jet lag and all that kind of thing, right? Like it, it screws you up to fly across the, the pond. So, Well, I mean, I think there's another side to the nationals argument is that there's the top like three to five Canadians that are going to travel to Europe. But it's not really a nationals if it's only three to five people racing. Like we want everyone to come and we want lots of people racing in those races. And for the masters races, the juniors, under 23s. And I think if you move Canadian nationals to January, it's going to be harder for a lot of people that are forced off the bike for a lot of that time. Like there's only so far as Zwift goes and uh, keeping you sharp for cyclocross. I think I think the other thing you could do is have you could have, like in the olden days here in Canada they used to have the senior national championships and the masters and the juniors at completely separate venues completely separate times so you could have I mean of course it's cool to see you know the pros race or whatever when you're a junior or a master or whatever you could have two national championships right and then have the pro one in January yeah but that comes up against the same problem like our juniors under 23s are some of the strongest racers yeah, true. They're going to be having the same problems with traveling to Europe. Yeah. I mean, there's no perfect solution living here. I think uh, your point, Terry, about like we want to get people at these races. Uh, I'm reminded of the 2019 Cyclocross National Championships. The elite women's field was, I think, seven riders. And that was a bummer that uh, like... There, there are races that you go to, Terry, on 
on Vancouver Island that are just way more jammed in that field than than the, the Nationals was that year. So yeah, so we want to I think make it so that everyone feels like this is the event to attend. It is the event. It's Nationals for Pete's sake. And also think about when you're a junior, right? And and you think about well, I can segue to a couple of special juniors in a second um, this year. But when you're a junior at a pro race or whatever, you're looking at you know, what you want to aspire to be. So if you see, if you're a junior woman and you see Magali Wachette, you know, that's, it's going to inspire you, I think. So it's good to be, and you're doing the exact same course. So you're going to see how much faster she is and her technique and, and then she's going to impress you. And maybe 10 years later, you'll be the Magali Wachette, you know? You mentioned other junior riders. That's in a different discipline. Um, who are those juniors, Matt? So we've got Dylan Bivik and Carson Matern. Um, both who won Rainbow Jerseys this year, which is, you know, not just one, but two. And they're pretty much the future of, of men's track cycling and endurance. Uh, so directly a result of having this fantastic facility, you know, an hour outside of Toronto, um, growing up through the system. And, you know, it's just an unbelievable kind of result for, for two young Canadians. Mm-hmm. And that facility is the Velodrome in Milton. The the race the it was the the junior world championships in Cairo. Matern won the scratch race. Bibic won the points race. They were bronze in the Madison, and Bibic was second in the Omnium. That that ain't too shabby. You were there. You were at the velodrome, Matt, uh, for uh, junior nationals. And um, did Bibic just win everything? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, super impressive, first of all. This, the numbers of, of juniors that were there, of course, you know, it, it, there wasn't a lot of spectators because of COVID, but the, the amount of young juniors that were there, well, I guess all juniors are young, um, and then the speeds and the just the positions of some, like Carson on a bike looks like Ghana, like he's got a fantastic position, and they're just so damn fast, you know? It was just super impressive. To see. I mean, these guys are definitely world class. I mean, the, they're the third and fourth and fifth guys were 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 fast, but to see these two, it's uh, it was staggering to see how quick they were. All right, gentlemen, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for the discussion. I'm pretty excited for 2022. I think a lot of the people we spoke about today will be active in the year to come, and um, who knows? There's probably going to be surprises. You're going to have to say thank you and goodbye. This is audio. <laughs> I was waving. Yeah, I know you're waving. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Thank you and goodbye. This is audio. <laughs> Terry, talk to you later. See you next year. And that's the episode. It's edited by me, Matthew Pioro. Thanks to web editors Terry McCall and Matt Hansen for the great chat. The Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast is produced by Adam Killick. He composed the music, too. Thanks to Ontario Creates for its support. From everyone here at Canadian Cycling Magazine, I wish you happy holidays. The podcast will be off for a bit and we'll be back later in the new year with lots of great stuff for you. Thank you for listening. Do ride safely, whether that's indoors or outside. I guess it's easier to ride safely indoors, but still, be careful, and I'll talk to you later.